Welcome to the How to Find Your Purpose course from Plato University. If you're wandering around aimlessly in life trying to figure out what it all means, then this course is for you. Combining psychology and ancient wisdom with modern science and systems thinking, you'll learn to develop passions into purpose, find out who you really are, how to make an impact in this world, and finally feel a sense of fulfillment in your life. If you're ready to live a purposeful life and want to learn the skills to do so, join us at Plato.University for exclusive content and actionable exercises with every lesson. I'm your learning guide, Brandon Stover, and let's get started. During the last lesson, when you began observing communities at various levels, you started noticing problems and crossing into the first moment of revelation. Something important in the world can be corrected or improved. At this point, you need to start identifying exactly what that something is, why it's happening, and how it has been attempted to be corrected by others. And to do this, you're going to begin engaging in something called solutionary thinking. Solutionary thinking is comprised of four different types of thinking that are working together. Critical thinking, systems thinking, strategic thinking, and creative thinking. Critical thinking is the ability to determine what is factual, to distinguish between fake news from the truth, and to analyze and assess one's own thinking processes. The second type of thinking is systems thinking, which relies on critical thinking to learn about and understand the connections between the problems we're trying to solve and their many interrelated causes. To solve a problem successfully, we need to understand how the problem is perpetuated through various systems, whether those be economic, political, energy, media, and many other different types of systems, as well as through the mindsets that lead to those systems. By learning to be an effective systems thinker, you're able to solve problems in ways that do the most good for the most people and reduce unintended negative consequences. Strategic thinking, the third type, involves the creation of effective ideas for achieving a goal or solving a problem. And strategic thinking can be practiced both individually and collaboratively. We're most likely going to come up with many different ideas for solving a problem, and some of those ideas will be more strategic than others. So learning to think strategically leads to a greater likelihood of successful solutions, as well as the implementation of those solutions. And lastly, there's creative thinking, which involves addressing the problem in a fresh, inventive manner. In the case of solving pervasive problems, creative thinking may mean generating ideas that no one else has thought of, or it may mean discovering ideas that already exist but are not being implemented because the systems that exist around those solutions make it so hard to do so in which case we're developing ideas to help that solution take root. Being able to think in this way and understand the systems that you're a part of is the only way you're going to create effective solutions. Every local, global, or intercultural issue is made up of multiple parts that connect with issues often interrelated at different scales. For example, that trash that's in your kitchen might feel like it's only collected personal waste. Yet it's actually linked to issues such as landfills, unsustainable resource use, the production of greenhouse gases like methane, which are contributing to climate change at the global level, and so much more. Unless you have the opportunity to observe the bigger picture, you cannot expect to actually understand the issue deeply, nor be able to take purposeful action towards solving it. Now what's important to know about systems is many of them are complex and adaptive. That means if you change one thing in the system, it's going to affect the entire system at large. Now this may make you a little hesitant to take action because you're not sure how you're going to affect the system, but it's also empowering because if you realize yourself as an individual 
that exists in each one of these systems, if you begin changing yourself and taking little actions by yourself, you'll begin pushing and pulling on this system and affecting change that reverberate through the entire system. So it's important that you observe the problems that you identified in the last section through this lens. You must understand the causes of the problem you're addressing, including mindsets, psychological factors, and systems that perpetuate the problem in order to make that problem cease to exist. And the best way to do this is to research causes and their consequences. And the first way that you can begin doing this is connecting with stakeholders and those working to solve the problem. Stakeholders include all those who have a stake in the issue at hand. These can be humans, animals, or elements of our biosphere. All stakeholders' needs should be sincerely considered when addressing any problem. The more you connect with those who are affected by the problem, the better you will understand the impacts of the problem. When you connect with stakeholders, you will also learn more about the efforts that have been made to solve the problem in the past and the outcomes of those efforts. And for the different stakeholders from whom you can't get verbal feedback, such as animals or ecosystems that exist, Talk with people who can accurately represent their perspectives and can envision what the needs and interests of those stakeholders are. So stakeholders could be impacted by the problem, could be impacted by the solution, could be invested in bringing a solution to fruition, and could be invested in preventing a solution from coming to fruition. The second thing you can do is identify the causes of the problem from psychological factors, worldviews, and mindsets to systematic structures. And this is going to be best done by going through something like an iceberg model, which allows you to get deeper and deeper and deeper to the underlying structures and systems and behaviors that are perpetuating a problem. I'll have some resources for you that breaks down how to use the iceberg model. But for now, you can start walking through some of these questions that I'm about to share with you in order to get to the deeper levels of a problem. You can first start by identifying the system. So when looking at this problem, Ask, is it a system or a group of unconnected parts? What's the purpose of the system? Is the whole greater than the sum of its parts? What are the parts and how do they connect? Then you can start looking at the behaviors. What is happening in this system? What patterns do you start noticing? What behaviors emerge from the connection between parts? How might we graph this behavior of this system over time? What patterns can we find about this system that behaves over time? And do these patterns remind you of another situation you've experienced or learned about from another system? You can then begin looking at structures. What's going into and out of the system? How do different parts balance each other or reinforce behaviors? What happens when a part of the system is missing or is added? What intended or unintended consequences might come from changing the system? Which of these might be delayed and only emerge over time? And how might this system be related to other systems? And finally, you can start looking at mental models of this system. From whose perspective is this story written and how do you know? What are the boundaries of this system and who decides this? What do people think about this system and why do they think this? How might altering our perspective make us see the system differently? You can start going through some of those questions to really start identifying the causes of the problem through its multiple layers. Because with any problem, we're moving from the problem at the top that's perpetuated by underlying systems and deeper causes of those systems, why those systems exist. And this leads us to the third thing that you can do in your research about the problem is determining who and what is harmed by the problem and who and what benefits from it. It's important to dig deeply to understand the range of harms as well as the range of benefits not only related to the problem itself, but also to the systems we just examined contributing to the problem. 
Now, you may be thinking, well, if this problem exists, there should be a ton of people that are harmed by it and nobody that's benefiting from it. But with any complex problem, that's not entirely true. For example, if we took the problem of type 2 diabetes, there are tons of people that are being harmed by this disease and affected by it. And we may see lots of different underlying structures like the food system and the healthcare system that are contributing to the rising rate of type 2 diabetes. And of course, the people that are suffering from type 2 diabetes are harmed by this problem, but their friends and family also are. Everyone else that has to pay higher healthcare insurance and have less access to healthcare due to its growing cost. But there's also people that benefit from the problem of type 2 diabetes. These may be hospitals and healthcare providers that benefit from increased revenue of sick people. These could be politicians that benefit from campaign contributions from corporations producing the foods and pharmaceuticals to treat type 2 diabetes. Just with this small example, you can see there's different stakeholders that are experiencing this complex system in unique ways. So if you are going to address the problem of the rising rate of type 2 diabetes, you're going to have to address each one of these stakeholders and make sure that all of them are benefiting and minimizing the harm. The last thing we want to do is research what has been done to solve the problem thus far. There's no need to reinvent the wheel if good solutions exist and simply need other solutions for effective implementation. It's also worth avoiding solutions that have already been found to be less effective than expected or have unintended negative consequences. It's going to be really rare that you choose a problem to solve that nobody else has tried to tackle. Nonetheless, these problems do persist. Often there's a growing awareness about and a public sentiment for solving the problem, but the increase in human population and other contributing factors means that the problem is getting worse despite greater concern and dedication to ending it. By carefully researching what's been done to solve the problem you're addressing, analyzing the successes and learning from the failures, taking those in the forefront of solving the problem, and paying attention to any unintended negative consequences from different approaches that have been tried, you'll gain the knowledge you need to make a meaningful contribution towards this problem. So for our activity today, I want you to start engaging in solutionary thinking. Look at those problems that you identified in the last section and begin researching their causes and their consequences. Connect with stakeholders, identify the causes, determine who and what is harmed and who and what benefits, and research what has been done to solve the problem thus far. Thank you for taking the How to Find Your Purpose course. To get everything you need to develop your purpose, including advanced resources, personal coaching, and a community of passionate learners, then visit plato.university slash courses slash purpose and join us for free. Again, that's plato.university slash courses slash purpose. This course was produced by Plato University, where students turn passions into purpose and learn skills to change the world. Learn more at plato.university.